Speaking of fun facts, um, did you have a chance to listen to the fun fact podcast? Did I tell you about that? Did I tell any of you I, about that? I don't that? think you told us about this. Well, you did mention it to me, but I don't think you sent it in the Slack. So neither of you have heard, seen, listened to the fun fact? You mentioned it, and I plan to listen to it. Uh, so maybe I haven't told you, Zach. Uh, it's no. a really, uh, it's, it's a new podcast. It's, um, a friend of ours is, uh, hosting it. It's called Fun Fact. It's on Fun Facts, plural? Fun Facts.fm, I believe. Let me, let me just double check research. that. Fun Fact. No, Fun Fact. Just one. So it's a lie. The name of the show is a lie because they talk about multiple fun facts. Oh, really? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Fun Fact. Their name is wrong. <laughs> Anyway, um, a bi-weekly show where Eric Devins and Alan Pike serve up incredibly important facts. Is that yeah, the one? That's the one. Cool. And uh, it's actually really good. It's like a really, really good first episode. I mean, both of them, I believe, have podcasted before. So it's not like it's the first time they've ever spoken into a microphone. But I was really impressed by the first episode. It's really, it's it's super entertaining. So, what type funny. of facts do they actually discuss? Are they like like they say, uh, incredibly important facts? Yeah, like the first one. Um, I I kind of like the they had a one fun fact was that Canada has a, a cheese cartel. I know this is so weird. Have you heard about the cheese cartel, Zach? It's like the avocado cartel in all other countries. Okay. Yeah. No, not really, but the price of <laughs> the price of dairy here is pretty much as insane as the price of avocado in other countries. Incredible! Why? So I think there's like a 285 or something, 283.5, uh, some type of tax on on a dairy products. Anyway, uh, you should listen to the podcast and know why are they taxing dairy products. Uh, if you want to know more about why they're taxing <laughs> dairy products, you should listen to episode one of Fun Fact. Uh. Okay. Episode 26. Oh, yeah. We're six months old. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> Time goes so quickly. I felt like it. I mean, I, I said it last time already, but it felt both. The time frame itself feels really short since we started, but so much happened since uh, Dub Dub. Yeah. And Dub Dub is when we started. Mm. It doesn't feel like we've done this 26 times, because that's actually quite a lot, like to have stuck with this for six months. Yeah, I think so too. Like one year will definitely be like more special, but I think mm. six months, that's that's pretty good. Like uh, I think you said last time, Zach, that like... It feels a bit like a side project, but I think keeping up with a sub side project for six months, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. And and weekly as well and not going through stages. I think weekly weekly is the the commitment I was unsure whether we could uh Yeah, deal but you with. sort of get into a routine, right? So it's relatively <laughs> like otherwise you'll be like, Oh, let's do it next week and then you might sh- Move yeah, it up for yeah we're so much in a routine that it still takes us 20 minutes to get our setup going every time. And I'm always late, despite this consistent recording time. 
but it's, it's the difficult thing, right? with Australian internet. That's one excuse. The second <laughs> excuse is Zach needs his coffee. It's fine. <laughs> but the thing is also, Zach always tells us, I'll be a few minutes late. Yeah. So that's when we start doing other things, like making our own coffee. So then Zach is ready while we're still making coffee. So we're kind of uh, accelerating into, into being way later than we should have, just because we start doing something as a response to Zach being late. I know, I know. And then we need our whole pre-show when we're talking about things that are not very interesting, like how our week's been. And yeah, it just ends up taking a long time before we start, but I think it's good. Mm. And Those are all parts of the preparation, right? Otherwise, the podcast wouldn't be good. You know, you need you need that coffee, you need a pre-talk. It makes sense. Yeah, It's all for the listener, really. We don't do any of this for us. It's all to deliver that great show. Yeah, yeah like I, I don't really... By now, I don't really enjoy talking to you, you guys. Uh, but, no. uh, as long as we're delivering good shows, that's, yeah. that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, I, I do all of this just for myself. Don't even care <laughs> who's listening to that. I just, I'm happy to just record it. Hashtag brand engagement. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, it's, um, it's been good. I mean, I know I remember sort of coming up with the idea for the show and the name and, and things like that. I think it was late one night in San Jose at WWDC and... You know, as with as with most Sounds things, like you're claiming all the uh, uh, credit for. I remember the day when I came up with a name, and uh, <laughs> I didn't finish. say that. He, 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 will, he will credit you in the end, Kai. You will, you will be in the you will be in the closing credits. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I'm saying I remember when we came, you know when we had this idea okay, okay. and we were discussing it, and everything sort of came together. And as with anything, it's like you know you first have an idea for something, and it's like oh cool, fresh, new, and exciting, and then, you know, most of those ideas, you never sort of see them through, but we've managed to, to uh, stick through this. And it's probably like, you know, once you've done the first few weeks, it's it's easy to keep going. So, I think we're over that initial hurdle of, well, will we keep this project going now? But still, to have reached this point is still is pretty cool. I'm pretty happy that we've made it. And, and we kind of went through that phase of, is that a good idea? Nah, it's not really, really quickly. Usually, you have a few days in between, but we were kind of in a hurry because we wanted to record our first episode in a um, podcast studio at WWDC. So, um, we, I think we went through three or four names. I think uh, in in that and we landed on this. Yeah, we recorded the first episode with an entirely different name. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think like yeah, we recorded. We also recorded the episode with that we never released, which was supposed to be very different. And we yep. realized we can summarize things, and we should probably not try to be like a tech news podcast because that's not really working out for us. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was the first one was so bad that we decided to just abandon it and book another slot the next day and try it again with a different name and a different focus. Yep. I think it worked out all right. Which yep. I think worked worked much better. Yeah. Mm. Um I'm curious to see, like hear a bit more. It would be interesting to get some more feedback from the Apple employee uh, because uh, like most of the time it was the same woman sitting there listening to us recording and I think she was very surprised that we came back we had a different <laughs> had a different name and they were talking about like similar things but with a different twist on it so I think uh, it would have been interesting f- to hear from her like how she thought the first one was compared to the second one yeah she definitely um, thought we were crazy yeah, yeah. Rightfully so. <laughs> and maybe we run into her next year again if we're recording the podcast studio, and it would be cool to hear her opinion. I, I kind of like be nice, that. Yeah. For us, we, our like. I mean, I'm full of myself believing she will remember us because she probably had like ten people, re- ten groups recording. I'm, I'm fairly confident that we were one of the few that that said 
we record the first episode of podcast A. Next day, we say, today we record the first episode of podcast B. <laughs> and then pausing 20 minutes and be like, what do you guys think? Should we change something? I, I think that was unique enough, but oh who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe if you record like 100 a day of those, uh, you just face out anyway, because I think yeah, a lot of people Maybe she's wearing talk. headphones listening to something. Yeah. yeah, like real podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I also kind of like the idea of, or I kind of like the concept that we can celebrate our one year anniversary potentially in a podcast uh, studio every year now. I do wonder how we're going to go recording in person. I, I know it's not a huge difference to recording on a video call, but there's some, you know, there's some difference to it. I wonder if it'll be a help or a hindrance after, you know, 50 odd weeks of being used to doing it one way. I just hope it doesn't still take you 500 milliseconds to laugh about a joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the moment uh, we can, we can blame all your, uh, moron levels on, on the, uh, on the internet connection, but mm. in person that might be different. So yeah, I'm a bit concerned about that. I always think that's strange when you, um, when you meet someone who is in a podcast, if you meet this person in real time or in, in, in real life, they always sound slightly different because I tend to always listen to them e with either like smart speed or 1.5x or something like that. And then like when you sit there and talk to them, like they, they, they speak very differently in real life. And You're talking very slow today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Is this conversation like, can I, can boring I? you that much? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Anyway. We're now six months old, and I'm looking forward to the one year. Mm. When can we mm. walk? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know about kids. Like Kai and I were talking about this the other day. Can like when do kids start to walk and stuff? Well, I can walk. Yeah, we can walk. But like, could you walk if you were six months? Can Socast walk? Can it support <laughs> itself yet? <laughs> it's a podcast. It can't walk. <laughs> what are you guys talking okay, about? Okay, well that puts that to rest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm quite happy with the, the fact that we have been sticking with it and we have been able to record so much because it has been struggle. We have had some issues with like moving and we didn't have a good set up in the beginning. That's why our audio wasn't very great. Uh, and we also had problems with like being in different time zones and just having different commitments. So I think uh, I'm very happy that we were able to actually organize it and do it. And I think for a while we also didn't release episodes. We only recorded episodes. So I was a bit worried that we had this backlog of like five episodes that we had to release and then we never wanted to, like we never felt it was good enough. But I think it was good. Like I'm not listening back to our earlier episodes. I'm not, I don't think it was, it wasn't the highlights of, of this podcast career uh, or podcast, uh, I guess. What do you call that? Like podcast series? Uh, but I do think it's nice to actually listen back and see how, uh, even though we felt uncomfortable in the beginning, we really stuck with it. And uh, I feel like things are going better and better. And it's always nice to sort of see that, be able to have a record, like a recording of your, of your own uh, development in an area. And I think it's great to just see how, like what the show grew into. Um, my next mini topic Um. We're now living in a place that actually has weather. So in certain um, situations, that actually becomes a bit more... I run into uh, into challenges that I didn't run into while living in Sydney. where weather... Like closing your zipper when you're having mittens on your hands? No, that's not the problem I'm going for. But you know, when it's cold outside or coldish and rainy, you kind of want to wear a jacket. And those jackets are usually a bit more fluffy and, and tight and those kind of things. 
So, turns out it's it's really quite discomforting if you're listening to a podcast or any audio through your AirPods while wearing your Apple Watch, and then you try to get your arm through the, uh, what do you call that? Sleeve. Arm sleeve. That's the one. Uh, sleeves of your jacket, and you accidentally increase the volume of your podcast to maximum. And then you really quickly try, because now you cover your watch too, right? Because it's now in a sleeve. And it's harder to get through, so you just quickly... So you just hit your ears while you're halfway through putting your jacket on and just get the headphones. Yeah, so I just just quickly take the AirPods out of my ears and uh, hope it didn't cause any permanent damage. So uh, that is nice. I uh, enjoyed that experience a lot. So um, I started looking again. I, I remember that there was a maximum volume setting for a long time in iOS. So I actually uh, used that now to prevent this kind of thing from happening. So if you go... Uh, if you happen to be in a place where jackets are sometimes required, um, like most of the world, most of the world, uh, civilized world, that is, um, people sometimes wear jackets. Uh, so if if you ever run into that issue, or if you're just afraid of running into that issue, or if you just don't like your your volume settings to go that high, because you wouldn't use the the last few uh, dots on your volume slider anyway, and you want to instead have more control over the volume uh, spectrum you're actually using, you can go on your iPhone to settings, I think it's in music, and set a maximum volume. Um, And what I did with that is I just, in a quiet room, uh, listened to music, tried to figure out um, how far is still comfortable to keep it. And use that as a maximum. So now, even if I'm outside and it's so loud uh, surrounding me that it would be too loud or that the maximum volume that I consider to be comfortable uh, in indoors, then I would just stop listening because it would definitely otherwise be damaging to my ears. So, uh, And if I uh, get, uh, take on a jacket, it doesn't blow my ears out anymore. So that's, that's a pro tip. At a pro tip, you can just pause what you're listening to while putting your jacket on. Yeah, but that that is that doesn't sound like a pro tip. That that's more of a like life hack. That's it's more like technology is broken, so just don't use a watch or turn off that feature that automatically opens the currently playing audio up, like a civilized human, because it's no, a terrible I, feature. I really like that feature actually. <laughs> like I really don't think there's anything wrong with getting to what's playing. The annoying thing is if you have a timer running at the same time as you're playing something. Because you don't get the volume controls, so you don't get the like audio controls. But because for some reason they think that you want to look at your timer, but I really mm. don't. I really don't want to count down. <laughs> look at my timer counting down. That should just be something in the background. That would be great. Mm. Thanks for the tip, Kat. I'll keep. Uh, I'll keep all these tips in mind the next time I'm in Melbourne. I think it gets cold <laughs> there sometimes. Uh, I mean, soon enough you'll need a jacket indoors again. So yeah. <laughs> for like three days a year. <laughs> Well, um, yep. So that's that's my pro tip, um, and it also kind of it is nice to have more. I, I enjoy having more spectrum in the uh, like more levels of usable spectrum on the slider for audio volumes that are actually comfortable to me. 
Because that yeah. just means you have the same length of a slider just for only volume That's levels that you actually want to use. So but I, yeah, what I do like is the fact that you said, like the, the thing that you said that like if you have a maximum level that you're comfortable with when it's in, when you're in a quiet room, that's obviously going to be what your ears are comfortable with, even if you're in a loud environment. So I think mm. it makes sense that you shouldn't feel you shouldn't crank up the volume if there's too many loud noises around you. Maybe you should just turn it off because it's actually damaging. So I like that uh, approach. This is so annoying. Every time I say I like that. Uh, our Alexa is being triggered every freaking time. So I can't like anything. It's it's very frustrating. That's why our podcast is so negative sometimes. <laughs> uh. mm. All right. Next mini topic. We last week, or actually a few days before uh, we released our last episode, um, episode 25, uh, Core Backdoor, we switched our podcast host. So it's also... Kind of a follow-up on our podcast setup, Yeah, I guess. this is funny. It was like one episode after we actually talked about our podcast setup, and then we changed our podcast setup. So that's that's good. Yeah, because when we talked... Wait, we did? I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> because when we talked about that, I was like, I really think we should do something that's, that's kind of giving us more control, because Anchor is definitely pushing more into, like, we now find uh, sponsors for you and those kind of things, and there was something weird going on with... It. Something in the feed, I don't remember what it was, or or some upload was rejected. Yeah, but they were also... Um, you couldn't have a bunch of links. They were converting yeah. our MP3 files to M4A or something like that. Yeah, so... And they also things. started pushing things like uh, their own ads in the beginning and the end of the podcast, which you always had to remember to say no to mm -hmm. in order for it to not be injected. So, uh, yeah, then I thought, hey, it's actually quite a good time to to get all this uh, moving of podcast feed done before we release a new episode rather than right after because who knows what's happening so i did that over the weekend before so we usually release on uh tuesday at 5 p.m so i th figured if i just do most of the work over the weekend the because usually what happens right so we release a new episode download numbers are kind of going up and then they kind of taper off towards the end of the week and weekend and then uh, until the next episode hits um so i figured the weekend is actually the perfect time for for this kind of thing so i signed us up for an account on uh pinecast pinecast is like a podcast host they also give you some kind of basic website just a podcast website and they uh, generate the RSS feed for you and you can upload the MP3s and those kind of things. You also have like a management system in there. And they have a pretty nice thing where you just point, uh, you can import an existing podcast. So you just point it at any RSS feed and we'll just import the entire thing. So I did that. I changed some of the MP3 files and that worked quite nicely. Um, updated the feed in Podcast Connect and then asked the support team at Anchor to do a 301 redirect from their feed to our feed. And that all came through, I think, on Monday, and no one noticed. Podcasts were starting to be uh, served by Pinecast. We released on Tuesday. People got the new episode. Download numbers were, I think, the highest we've ever had within 24 hours. Woohoo! And no one noticed, which is exactly what we tried to do with that. So uh, I was I was quite happy with that. Hmm. It's like changing your whole code base to Swift 4 from like Swift 3, and then you're finally done, and no one noticed. It's exactly like it's that. It's exactly it's, like it's, that. 
It's a great analogy. It's perfect. Man, I should have just said that. We did that with four podcasts. People would have totally... And I only use Swift 4 apps, so <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, and Pinecast is really nice. And it's, um, if you, I mean, Anchor is decent. If you're just getting started, you don't want to pay for anything. It's it's a decent free option. Um, but if you're happy to pay, I think our plan now starts at $5 a month. Which I think is really, really reasonable for for kind of just being in more control, being control of of things more yourself, um, and not having like anchor links and those kind of things. You just the the author URL in 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 iTunes is your your website or whatever link you want. You're just able to customize a lot more things, and they don't have any restrictions on what can be in the description. They don't have any. They don't do anything with the mp3 you just upload the mp3 into the server there's no yeah. processing time it's like if if you want to be more in control and kind of have just a place to to put some mp3 files and serve them i think yeah. and i think i think we've been saying before that like we rather want to have we really we are all really in favor of services where we can pay for their services because it's always feeling a bit uncomfortable when you know that uh like they're uh there's probably going to be like things that other ways for, I mean, the company has to make money in some way. And if you, I think the only thing I, like I consistently agreed on is to just pay for, pay for the product I'm using, because if I think it's good enough, I'm happy to pay. Uh, so I think that's something that I'm quite happy with. I think, um, Pinecast is a paid server and therefore you feel quite comfortable that they won't inject ads in your podcast potentially. And it's like, uh, I'd rather, rather have the comfort of knowing what product I get than having a something where the business plan isn't defined yet. And I mean, um, it's also, it's, it's, I think it's really reasonable, the $5 a month. And I've also had a few questions to support and they usually got back to me within half an hour, which is really good too. So Anchor usually has a day or two turnaround because I guess support, especially for a smaller podcast, is not as high priority. Um, but for a smaller podcast, I'll just get uh, a response really quickly. I got a response really quickly and that was that was good too and i will actually put a uh, referral code into the or a coupon code into the show notes too so if you also want to sign up for pinecast for your podcast uh you can get the first four months for 40 percent off i don't know what we're getting and they, they i are, assume we get some kind of discount on our podcast i was hosting. just gonna I say know. they're not paying you for saying this but maybe maybe you do get the maybe maybe they pay me for <laughs> doing that indirectly i don't know but it's just it's i mean you just pay three dollars for the first four months which is good sounds good yeah. Uh, one limitation you do have, though, is an episode um, size limit of 64, gig uh, 64 megabyte, um, which we surpassed once. However, you also have a, um, I guess... A buffer? Yeah, you do have a buffer. So for each month, you also have a 64 megabyte uh, buffer. So if you upload an episode at 70 megabytes, those... Um, the six that you went over your 64 per episode limit come out of your buffer. And as interesting, the, yeah, which I think is, yeah, I think it makes sense, right? Because you don't want to limit people. Like, if if you happen to go over, uh, I think it shouldn't be a limiting factor from you being able to release that episode. It sucks if you have to like cut it down just for the sake of it. So, having a buffer that's sort of like in case of emergency that you can use, I think that's good. Mm. And considering that we release roughly four episodes a month. That also means realistically we have 16 megabyte extra per episode if we wanted yeah. to. 
but I think in our entire back catalog, we only went over 64 a single time by a few megabytes. Yes, I think this means we have to limit ourselves to about two hours, 20 minutes. I think that works out to roughly 64 megs. Which seems like a healthy thing to do anyway. Yes, yes, for everyone's sanity. (laughs) Us and the listeners. Um, Exactly. Yeah, but it's also good because it encourages uh, podcast uh, creators to export at um, the appropriate settings, like 64 kilobit mono audio, 64 kilobit per second mono audio, because I listened to a show last week and I think I sent it to you and complained that was not uh, exported in mono. And I don't know how they recorded a stereo podcast. It made no sense to me, but uh, it sounded sounded really bad. And they don't normally record in stereo, um, but- yeah, it was it was very weird. Yeah. And uh, I think Pinecast even has some type of uh, um, encoder. So if you just throw them a WAV file, they will do that for you. But, I mean, we use Forecast just because it does a whole bunch of other things. Um, but um, Chapters. Yep. Um, and, and uh, I mean, all the ID3 texts were basically uh, writing with Forecast. So the the description as well and the title and chapters and cover art and those kind of things. Um Yeah, no, I think I think I've been I definitely been not been as involved in this process as Kai. Uh, I think you should get credit for changing over to this host. But I think something I did look at with together with you, Kai, was the website creation. And I guess I think it's really good that you do get a hosted website and you can have your custom domain. But I Hope that they will improve the experience with uh, the the design of of your website because I think something like a podcast website is something that can easily look quite boring, um, like especially if your cover art is the same for each episode. And I think some layouts don't work very well for that. Uh, and it felt like many of their basic layouts were very like basically what it is. It's like other uh, other website builder, uh, other websites where you build another website you have certain components and you can sort of um change it to like fit your theme and make it into what you want but it felt a bit limited and it felt like the styling wasn't really specific for podcasts it felt good for like blog posts or something like that but it felt like um it was just not a perfect layout for for like the typical podcast format and the typical like cover art format so i'm hoping i I assume they will work a bit more on that uh but I think in the end, we were able, like, once you get your head around how to use the tools, I think you can tweak it quite a lot. And I'm pretty happy with what we have. I think for me, it's just the next project now when the transition to the new podcast host was less painful than I thought. Maybe the next project is just that we make like a small website ourselves. I mean, it's not too difficult, right? Because all we really need is an RSS feed. Yeah. So we can just build something that parses the RSS feed and generates a website. Yeah, I'm happy with that too. But I think if you're new starting out with a podcast and you don't want to make everything from scratch, I think it's a good alternative. And if you do spend a little bit of time, you will be able to tweak the website and make it look quite nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think for us, uh, I think we're all quite comfortable making making a small website ourselves. And that also means we're we're hosting it ourselves, so we can have like a um, less encrypt certificate and serve everything over HTTPS. And because the um, the way it works with the A records that we're doing for the um, for, like basically uh, forwarding our domain to the Pinecast servers, it's just not as easy to do those kind of things. Um, so I do think maybe Christmas or shortly after. 
I will maybe put some small uh, podcast website together. I wonder how many people actually use a podcast website. Who goes to a website? What are people doing? In general, why do people use websites? Well, <laughs> shouldn't they just use apps nowadays, right? I heard yeah. you can even get app apps on your Mac. Crazy. Yeah. I, I maybe just talk myself out of podcast websites. Why would we do that? <laughs> yeah. If you're a podcast listener, you have a podcast app installed, which you can browse any podcast's feed. I don't know. The The podcast website is probably not yeah. that important. It's a good place to direct somebody if you don't want to copy and paste the long URL to the iTunes page. Um, yeah, because our, our domain's pretty short. But yeah, if someone wants to just look up the podcast, like it's good to have mm. like a general information page, or potentially if you have your own personal website, you might want to link to the podcast you're making, and it's probably nicer to have a bit of a landing page for it. I guess so. Maybe we just keep it the way it is, unless anyone has any objections with that. I think the biggest advantage to this website is when we tweet out from the show account that a new episode is available instead of linking to the iTunes page, which I realized I did last week, but I probably from uh, this week forward, I will uh, tweet to. I will link to the uh, dedicated episode page. Uh, if somebody presses on that, we don't have to assume. So currently, we we send the iTunes link, we post the iTunes link, and that assumes that somebody is going to open it on an iPhone and go to the uh, podcast store or the iTunes store. Uh, but now, if you if we tweet the link directly to the episode, um, it will take them to the website, and from there, they can hit a button to open in their their podcast player of choice, which could be quite handy. Um, especially if they weren't opening it on an iOS device. Hmm. I'm, I'm building this Vapor backend project, right? Mm. So, uh, doing this Vapor project. Um, and they are... Um, so, Vapor... Do people know what Vapor is? Like a Swift web framework. Cool. One of the... I think it's probably the, the biggest by stars on GitHub, at least. Okay. Or at least second... I don't know who's who's first perfect or vapor they I think they're let me check <laughs> <sighs> you people sorry, we just want to be factually correct, okay i you know what my life is a lot easier because I don't have that expectation to myself i'm just <laughs> i'm I'm fine to just be wrong a lot if people care enough to correct me, I will then uh learn that I was wrong and I will adjust accordingly, but if no one you know, are you really wrong if no one tells you that you were? Yeah, because other people might just think you're an idiot and just leave you alone. Well, they, they, they're worried of pointing. Isn't it out. that good too? Anyway, uh, Vapor Vapor has fifteen thousand four hundred forty-eight stars on GitHub, and Perfect has thirteen thousand two hundred forty-six. So, in what fact, what about Kitura? And Kitura has six thousand seven hundred sixty-one stars on GitHub. Okay, so Vapor is first, and Perfect, and Kitura. Yep. Cool. So if we're just going by by GitHub stars, uh, Vapor is Which the, is the, the, the international currency for developers. So. Yep. It's it's uh, mm. one system to define what is the most popular, uh, and it's the one I'm picking now because uh, <laughs> not stack uh, overflow questions. Nope. Wow. What about bug reports? Maybe we. <laughs> <sighs> May, uh, I, uh, or repository forks <laughs> I never understood people that wanted to have podcasts where they just talk themselves I start to understand the appeal slowly <laughs> <laughs> anyway so um, at, at least by I don't even know why I said that I should have just said I, I use Vapor and it's a Swift web framework but I had to say it's the most popular and then yeah, you, you get guys into this. You, you guys just jumped at me and 
ask me for references. Anyway, um, so We're according to checking you, of course. yeah, according to GitHub Stars, Vapor is the most popular web framework, and I'm using that for a uh, backend API thing and potentially website later. Uh, and they have a Vapor Cloud, which is basically their system to kind of host that project. And I don't really want to host it there because I want to run my own uh, server for when I'm actually ready to deploy something. But I thought it would be quite a nice way of uh, running like a test environment every now and then. So because I can deploy from there quite easily, it's basically you just say uh, Vapor Cloud Deploy. So you have like a toolbox installed. So you install the Vapor Toolbox with Homebrew. And then you can just, after you install that, you, you're in your directory of your project, you can do Vapor Cloud Deploy and then you just give it a parameter like environment staging to get the right configuration and it like builds that and deploys that. And I thought that would be quite nice just for kind of testing purposes. Turns out they... I knew there would be a turns out. I'm like, is this the story? No, there must be a turns out somewhere. Yeah, turns out um, that is off good as long as you have uh, public uh GitHub or Git repositories, but oh. if they're private, what about your proprietary code base, Kai? But if they're private, then you—I mean, the way I've set up my GitHub is that I use the uh, like a SSH key. Um, however, um, you somehow have to give that to Vapor Cloud. So I looked into how how do I give them the the key because ideally you want them to fetch the source code, build it, right? That. So it's kind of always up to date based on your latest commits. You actually have to send them an email <laughs> uh, with a specific subject line that's like add SSH keys and then in brackets your organization name and then in the body of the email it's the SSH key. It's like, this is a bit weird. Sounds very secure. Yeah, it, it somehow feels weird to do that. Did so. you do this? Huh? Did you end up doing it? No, so I just, I, I just uh, got an... Um, a different cloud instance and just install it there because it's it's I wonder, like why why would it do that is it just because they haven't implemented a system or did they want to discourage people from doing it i guess they they don't have it automated yeah. it's my guess um but i feel like uh it, it, my, the idea of it was it would be simple and quick and this was enough of a barrier for me to go against it and just because i mean in the end i will host it on something myself anyway so might as well run into any any issues like that as early as possible so i just started a instance today and we'll we'll build it and um deploy it from there at least now during testing i just clicked like the cheapest five dollar a month uh instance to 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 use um yeah i wanted to ask kai um this it's actually funny that you're mentioning vapor and uh Swift on the server because I did talk to someone else about that today, and I was wondering, like, how comes you decided to go with Vapor rather than something like Ketura or um, Perfect? Uh, was it only based on the star rating? Um, so I mean, there's a bit of a. I I already built uh, my first Vapor project. I don't know, two, three years ago. Whenever. The first. Do you want me to double check that, or can I just guess when I probably? Well, I guess I guess we can put it in, yeah, the, in the follow up that? next year. Okay. <laughs> next year, okay. Next. I'm I'm fine with that. Let's go with that. Um, so I already built something with Vapor One uh, a long time ago, um, a few years ago, 
and that was kind of nice i also vapor's website is kind of nice and the documentation looks nice i do think perfect documentation is more detailed but i kind of yeah because i do remember when you were working with vapor that you were sitting and like why is this not documented the way it should be documented this would be so much more obvious to explain it yeah i was i was briefly very frustrated while looking at visually appealing looking documentation that was incomplete (laughs) Okay, so it looked nice, but the words didn't really... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it, it looked nice. And I don't know, in general, I do like how Vapor is doing things. Like, I I like the way the the routing works. I don't know, I haven't looked at Perfect in a while, but I I just felt like things made sense the way I would write uh, code on on the back end anyway. So I kind of just liked uh, a whole bunch of how they decided to to go with it. Okay. And is, um, do you know Vapor or like all the products, are they still open st- open source? Or uh, Because I remember Vapor had like two people who worked on it. Are they full-time? Uh, I think they're full-time, yeah. Okay. But I mean, they're... So it's, it is very, like it is supported and they continue to work on yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's constant development. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely um, maintained. And there's, um, so the the main repositories are all on GitHub slash Vapor. And then the, the main Vapor repository is at Vapor. So it's github.com slash Vapor slash Vapor. Um, Maybe put that link in the show now. Um, but then there's also um, github.com slash Vapor dash community or communities. Community, I believe. And there are a lot of um, like uh, packages from the community that kind of, uh, do certain things like uh, JWT token type things or um, JWT. Isn't it TNT, the T and JWT token already? Yeah, that's what I thought too. The T was stand for token. Yeah, yeah, I think for so. Tokens. Anyway, yeah, so for uh, JWTs and um, those kind of things. So if if you don't want to build all of that from scratch, there, there are quite a lot of packages and some of them then move into being like first party and those kind of things at some point. So um yeah there's a good there's a good community they have a discord channel where people are quite helpful so far I've figured most of the things out myself I didn't really ask for help and because everything is uh I mean you you can look at the source code for everything which is quite nice because whenever I look into like a module and I wonder how something works or why how I think something should work I can just uh command click on the class and then I see how the class is implemented which is quite nice. I, I kind of like to just be able to figure those things out. It's sometimes frustrating and sometimes it takes a bit longer than if I would have built it in PHP or something. Um, but overall, I enjoy it to to work with Vapor. And they're doing things like futures and uh, promises and those kind of things, um, which I haven't really worked with a lot before. And it's kind of neat to, to uh, get into that. Yeah, so... Um, it's uh, not not like a huge amount of of scientific research into why I use Vapor. I just thought the website was quite pleasing looking, <laughs> and I've done something that worked before. Yeah, I mean, and if you say like it's well maintained and it has a good community, I think that makes sense that you if you see right. that other people use it and that it's constantly being developed. I was wondering. I know that a lot of like different open source projects do have like a community where you can chat either in like Slack or in discord or just on github in general and i was wondering um i often see people who are very engaged in those 
communities and asking questions, not necessarily contributing, but actually going on those websites and on those forums and asking questions. How do you, how do you two feel about that? Do you tend to often, if you have a, if you're sitting and working on a problem and you can't find the answer anywhere, like, how do you, do you tend to post questions on those forums? Because I haven't really, done that and I don't know if it's because like I tend to find the answer before I have to ask a question um, or I potentially come up with another way of doing it from other research maybe maybe I realize wait there's not a better way of doing this while I'm researching the topic so like I was just curious I'm always wondering who all those people are who are writing questions on the internet and the same like on Twitter sometimes people just ask questions on Twitter like has anyone done this and I was just curious do you guys tend to do this? I'm mostly the same in that I don't uh, ask questions on like those online things like I definitely haven't posted to Stack Overflow in many years nor answered a question on Stack Overflow in many years which is probably something I should do more of uh, just sort of to contribute to that community but it's not something I do currently. Um, I have been known to go to Twitter for some things sometimes if I'm struggling with something uh, and I think someone on Twitter might be able to give a a quick response. Um, I guess it comes down to like immediacy of needing a response and generally Twitter, either you're going to get a response or you're not, but you're going to know within 20 minutes or something. Um, I don't know how other online forums, how, how fast people respond to things, I guess. Sometimes it could be equally as fast, but it's just not something I've really explored. Um, but it also is uh, often a case where somebody else has had a similar problem. Like if I'm using a, a third-party framework for something and, you know, there's a, a weird bug that I can't work my head around, um, you know, often somebody else has come across that and there's there's an answer somewhere online. Um, whether it's an answer that works or not, uh, that's another story. But, you know, sometimes it might just be like, oh, yeah, this is a known bug. We'll fix it in our next release or whatever. And then, you know, I mean, there's no point posting the same question again uh, if that responds. I mm-hmm. don't know. Like, I mean, that's still that's still something that Apple encourages you to do, right? If, <laughs> Apple, you, yeah, if you yeah. find something, you should follow Radar and then that goes towards the voting system, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they don't really... It depends on who you ask. They either not... They do or do not encourage you to do that. <laughs> I, I think I've, I never have spoken to anyone from Apple who says, please don't file radars. Like, no, no, but I've heard say someone that. saying that just duping a radar doesn't help. I would really think it does because it's like the community engagement. If many people vote for something or purchase and ask for some, ask for a feature, I thought that would make them more inclined but to I mean, do they're, it. But I mean, they're they're kind of filtered before they go to any teams anyway. So it's not really that um, if you file a radar, it goes directly to, to uh, the person that wrote that part of your yeah but if it's closed as a duplication then that would mean that it goes towards like a vote for uh, fixing the initial issue and that would help i don't know i would think Uh, but but yeah i mean as i said i i've heard people saying opposing things about that um yeah in general i mean there's definitely benefit if you're not i mean if zach writes a radar and he just sends you all the information, so you file the same thing just to have a second vote, but all the text is identical and everything else is the same. There's probably not a lot of value to it, but if Zach files a radar and you find a better way of reproducing the bug, mm. like if you actually have reproduction uh, steps and, I don't know, a sample project to, to kind of show the project, then obviously there's benefit to it. But if you just copy exactly the same thing that Zach did already, I don't think there's, there's really a benefit to that. I think radar's a whole different thing as well um probably not talking about like online communities i mean i do try and fire radars if there's something that 
I think is unique. Um, or sometimes even if it's, uh, if it's going to be a duplicate, uh, like, I mean, some teams do encourage it. Um, so I guess it is good to, to sometimes post, uh, to sometimes file an extra radar. But yeah, I guess you're, you're probably right, Kai, in that the contents of what you're posting in that duplicate is, uh, it is going to matter, uh, as to whether it's counted or not. But again, radar's a black box. We don't know how that works. So. <laughs> Yeah, but otherwise, in in online forums, I don't know. Maybe I just don't work on unique enough things, or or my tolerance of of trying to find an answer is is high enough. But I tend to not really ask a lot of questions on on yeah, online forums. Yeah, and I think if I do have something that I'm unsure about, I feel like I always tend to find direct people to talk about it with. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I understand if you're an indie developer and potentially don't have that many people around you who can who you can discuss those things with, I think it makes sense to, to post it online because then even if people don't have the answer, you can, it's, it can sort of lead you to thinking in a different way and that can always help. But I think if you have coworkers or uh, like people who you know in a community, I think that's probably another helpful tool. I think I was probably three quarters to asking a question about Vapor a few times last week. Um, what do you mean by three quarters? Like I was, I was very wrote, close to yeah. to throwing the talent ask a question because I couldn't figure something out. Um, but then I got there in the end. And that's the other thing. I'd probably be more likely to ask somebody who I think knows the answer directly yeah. instead of someone online. Like if I had a vapor question, you have way more experience uh, using vapor than I do, so I would probably ask you, Kai. Um, mm. Or if I had a coordinator question, then Marlon's go to person for that. So you know, like there's so instead <laughs> of posting online, there's like yeah you know, everyone has their own sort of strengths. And if you know somebody or if you're in an office with people who who uh, are more familiar with certain tools than others, then it can be good to approach them. Uh, and also there's more immediacy there of getting a, respo- a, a response pretty much as soon as you ask the question instead of, you know, maybe waiting an hour or two. What I, I also often get a lot of value out of uh, something like Stack Overflow, not because I'm stuck at a problem, but I do have a solution that I think makes sense. And I more use Stack Overflow for alternative approaches to the same problem to see, basically just to double check my solution before I implement something large. I just check, this is a problem I'm sure other people probably have solved as well. So let's just, kind of get their input in a way as in just looking at other people's solution and then maybe pick like uh, a hybrid out of the best things i find online that i didn't think of and my 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 particular problem my particular solution just to come up with something that that is better or to potentially just not do uh, the most like most typical problems that would uh, occur while trying to solve something in a way um, that might have been solved before and people know what, what might be like easy mistakes to make or those kind of things. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair enough. It's it's good It's good to be able to have that validation of knowing if other people think along the same lines or have another approach that might be uh, that might be better for a particular problem. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, like I really appreciate everyone else asking questions, but I do tend to feel like I can usually figure out the answer to my question just by reading what other people say, even if it's mildly related even the, like i think reading the comments in stack overflow often helps you to 
come to a conclusion on the problem you're dealing with. Yeah, and generally to get a better understanding of the problem as well. And sometimes, you know, even the the accepted answer, which does work, will have a bunch of comments saying, no, this is probably not the best way to do something. Yeah. Uh, so, it is definitely valuable to read further down. I think talking specifically about Stack Overflow in this case, but read further down the page, look at a few of the alternatives and see what people have to say about them as well. And there might be a solution that's uh, more of a fit for your problem than, than the accepted answer on that question. So, it's also something uh, worth considering. Um, something I would be happy to talk about, uh, which is sort of related to productivity, is uh, I have started to really use this app called Things, which we've been talking about in the past, which is a to-do list app. And I just want to talk about how much I like it one more time. Woo! Um, and I think it's something that other people might benefit from. Uh, maybe not. At least I will benefit from talking about it. And that's what's most important here, right? Um, I wanted to say like, so Things is a really good app. It's a to-do list app. And the cool thing with it is that you can really make it as detailed as you want it to. So you can either just use the today, like the default inboxes. So you have a today list and you have an inbox and then you have an upcoming event. How many things do you have to do today? I'm not sure if I should disclose that. <laughs> There's a lot of things in my today to-do list. Um, because, um, but, but what I want to say is that the cool thing with this app is that you can put in things, you can put things into different categories. So for example, I have a work category uh, or like a work in work to do list. And then I have a podcast to do list. And then I have like a general to do list, which is like emails that I need to answer that are not work related, for example. Um, and then from those inboxes, you can schedule them to appear on different times. So you can very easily, like, so for example, what I might do on a Monday or like two or three times a week is that I look through my work to-do list and I sort of look at what I want to do and what I want to achieve that week. And then I create all the tasks that I'm planning to do. And then like some things might rely on someone else being in the office. I knew, know that I need to wait with a task for later in the week, for example. And then it's really nice because you can have your like work list and then you can just decide what day you want to do it on. And then that will all appear in your today list later on. And once you look at it in your today list, you can easily see like all of them have sort of like a um, like a category so you can see which list it was generated from. So you look at your to-do list, which is an overview of everything you have to do. And then you can see what's related to work, what's related to like what you uh, like you have to do in your free time and all of that. And I just really like this app and I have started to use it so much more, especially the different, the, the, the fact that like, I definitely started using this sort of approach of adding things in separate lists so that I have an organized system and then adding it to the today list. I think that's a really nice, nice way of doing it. And I just wanted to like have a shout out at it. And another cool thing is that you can add notes. So for example, I might want to look into this new, um, like, technology and then i can add a link to where i can find more f information about the technology and i think that's pretty cool uh and i really enjoy using it so this is actually perfect and i'm really glad you brought it up because i know i know i've spoken about things before um but that was a while ago and things were different but um i actually mentioned to you it was probably like two months ago now like it's been a while but i said at some point in the show we need to talk about a replacement for the reminders app because I don't like the Reminders app anymore. I've been having some problems with it. So is this kind of like a, a valid replacement for the Reminders app if on iOS? I, I think so. I think in the beginning when I started using third-party to-do list apps, uh, a problem that I had was that I wanted to set reminders with Siri. 
And by default, that sets it with the default uh, like iOS reminder list. But now things is actually integrated into uh, Siri or the, I assume they're using SiriKit for it. So you can actually say, hey, Siri, remind me tomorrow in things to bring out the trash, for example. And then it automatically adds it to your oh, things list. Oh, of course, because that's one of the original Siri things that you can integrate with. I'd completely yep. overlooked that because uh, because one of my biggest draws to reminders still is, of course, Siri integration. But hmm. if you can use things with Siri, then I have no reason to stick with reminders anymore, uh, which has been frustrating <laughs> me incredibly because it seems like uh, reminders can't keep track of reminders, which is the only thing it needs to do. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it does work really well. And like, I thought that was something that sort of in the beginning, I was sort of split between using the old reminders because I knew, like you said, like that's what Siri was integrating with. But now it's so nice how you just add it to, to the to do list directly. And they have a watch app. This is good to see. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a sign of a good app usually. No, uh, yeah, it actually works really well. Like all of their, I haven't scheduled anything with the. Watch up. I will look if you can do that. But all of the notifications are... Do you call it rich notifications on the Apple Watch? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like you can actually like have... like It's it's not just a notification that you can dismiss. It has actual rich... Like actual functionality attached to it. So you can say snooze. So you can say done and those things and like tick them off directly. And it's really good. Uh, I think you should, you should look into it. It is a little bit pricey, but I think it's worth it. Uh, I love... I love apps that have both a Mac client and an iOS client. I think having a reminder app that doesn't have both of those would be, wouldn't be very helpful for me because I think there's so many things, especially related to work that I want to do on my Mac and I don't want to have to like pick up my phone every time I look for those things. Yeah. For me, I, I, I use things a bit differently. So I use a uh, fantastical for my regular reminders. Um, because that just integrates directly with iCloud. So you can just use the normal Siri commands to schedule your, uh, like to, to set a reminder and it will just show up in things. Um, and then that shows up in your calendar as an, as an calendar Wait, entry. Sorry, did you say you can use the normal reminders app and that shows up in things? Uh, in, in, sorry, in Fantastic. Okay. I was really excited. I was like, oh, it's going to sync with things too, because that is something I miss. I would love to have this synchronization between my calendar and my things app. But I think since they have a Mac client, I'm quite happy just going to the things app directly. So for me, uh, I kind of have this more like a logical separation. So I have certain things that I just need to do at a specific date or a specific time. So if if it's something that I need to, I don't know, uh, I need to call a bank for an appointment, that's something I need to do at a specific time. I, I schedule that as a reminder, just regular reminder, and then we'll show up in my calendar. And if I see my calendar, I know at four o'clock I plan to call the bank arbitrary example but that's kind of what i'm doing there yeah i'd do the same thing i wouldn't make a calendar appointment for that yeah but everything that's more of a project and it should happen on a day but it might happen on a later day that's what i put into things so if i work on a on a like on a project i add all my entries into into things and i use their project features and kind of their their grouping to just basically have a project for what i'm working on and then i kind of go through the things as i um as I work on things, sometimes I even forget to check in 
check into that list for a while and then I, I check the ones off that I worked on or if I have another thing that I think is incredibly boring and I don't want to work on, I check things if there's anything else I can do instead. Um, so it's more of a less time critical list that is more logically ordered by this is what I want to do for kind of my next milestone or for the next version or something like that. Yeah, but that's or, something I really like with things because you can have, uh, you can really separate it into very niche tasks. So you can have your overall project, which is, for example, your work folder. And then in that you can have its like own separate list, which is like independent to-do lists. And then each of the item can also have their own bullet points and their own subtasks. And I think that's a really nice thing that you can actually split it up into so much detail. Mm. But it's not really, I, I wouldn't really use their calendar view within the Things app to to see what what I have to do over the next few weeks, and I've s seen some people using that uh, uh, quite a lot. But for me, if I have that, I would rather have it in my actual calendar app showing up. So I don't know. Even things like um, replace the the, f the filter in the vacuum cleaner that would be something I would schedule as a regular reminder within uh, uh, just with a regular Siri command or in reminders, and then shows up in Fantastical. Um, because that's something I want to do on a specific day. It's not really a an item that is that is that needs to be done at some point in the future. But because there's no point in ever replacing the filter early, and you shouldn't replace it late. Uh, things that will go into um, like tasks. You just need some more discipline in how you use your things to do. But this. it's that's the thing, right? Everything that goes into the Things app is something I could do early. Like I don't want to have things. It's really hard to talk about that because I say thanks so much. Um, Stuff. I don't want to add tasks or items into things that I can complete earlier. Like, there's never anything that needs to happen on a specific day because then I don't want them to be in any list. I don't want to have them show up there. It's not a thing I want to need to check. Yeah, but that's the good thing because, like, if you, if you do add something, like, you don't necessarily have to have them in a way or look at them every day. Because if I have my work list and I know there's something that I need to do on Thursday, I can just add it on Thursday and it will actually be in its own separate sub list in the bottom of the view. And I think that helps. But that's the thing, right? I don't want to. I don't want. And the the way I'm using it, it's not a thing that I I want to check manually. Oh, it's, okay. It's more. Okay. I'm I'm working on a project and then I go and see if if I'm as I said if I'm too bored to do something else and I want to just find a different task to work on this is kind of where my my uh, tasks are that I plan to do that I might otherwise forget or don't think about in the moment so it's more of a like every time I have an idea of what to add I put it into things and then I go through them as I see fit and then sometimes I might say this should be for for the milestone 1.0 but just because I kind of feel for doing it right now, I do it uh, three, four weeks before it needed to be done, just because I feel for it now. So everything that I put into the Things app is something that I can do um, earlier than earlier than the deadline. And okay, so it's it's a bit more like treating it like a Jira backlog, I guess. It definitely sounds like a to-do list as opposed to reminders. Like you'd, I, I yes. think, is that the distinction yeah. that yeah. you're trying to make? Yeah. 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 It, it does and sound a bit like Jira, right? You can mark off little subtasks and things like that. 
Um, it's a good analogy. But. Yeah, I mean, but it's definitely less difficult to use than Jira. Uh, I think Jira is something that you should use as a less as difficult a, to use than Jira. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it. I think Jira is something you should use as a bigger team. It's a bit of an overkill for one person to have as a project. Uh, but it's also it's not tool. just that. I also have other things in there, like like I wanted to cancel a bank account in Australia. Doesn't really have a deadline. Don't really need to do it at all. It's just something that I want to do at some point. Um, and if I don't have it anywhere, I will never do it. I don't want to schedule it for a specific day because there is no specific day I want to do it at. It's not really a a reminder to do it on a specific day. But whenever I'm I'm looking at a list because I want to work on something else, I might realize, all right, now it's a good time to call call the bank and cancel the account. Um, but it's more like a combination of those kind of tasks. Some of them that are directly related to things I work on and some of them that just need to be done at some point. Um, I don't know if I... Okay, no, that makes sense. So it's basically a way for you to take the mental load off yourself that you like, so you don't actually have to keep this in your mind or keep on remembering to do it sometime. That's right. Yeah. And and it's it's like a big variety. Some of them are more important, clearly, than canceling a bank account I'm not using. It's just something I want to do at some point. So it's um I've ha- sometimes have things in there for a year before I get to them. And that's fine. And they were not I, I wasn't in a hurry, I just wanted to do them. Um but I wouldn't want to have them in my calendar because if I schedule them for Monday, but Monday happens to be a day where, very, where I'm very productive on working on something else, I don't want to interrupt that to cancel stupid bank account. So, And then if you don't do it, it either reminds you constantly and just gets annoying or you miss it because it was scheduled for Monday and now it's a month later and you don't see it in your calendar anymore. Or it kind of moves for every day and it's just getting getting annoying. So that's kind of what a for me the differentiation like it it has everything and you wouldn't do that you wouldn't put it in jira right that would be weird if you would put your personal task in jira as well <laughs> yeah of course that's what that's what i mean it's not really something that you would use for a single person team uh, yeah. or jira isn't something you would use for your like personal stuff so yeah and i even have some things in there that are like uh watch this dot up talk so at some point i might be uh i don't know having lunch at home uh, and I just want to watch something while I'm eating. Maybe I go through some of the tasks that don't require um, me to be active. So it might be watching a dub-dub talk or reading reading a blog post or something like that while I'm eating. So can things be used as a reminder-based system then if you wanted it to? I know you don't use it like that, but if one wanted it to be, could yeah, it? Yeah, I, I do. I'm just looking how it appeared because I did have one set earlier today day so basically if i set a reminder to do something today uh once it comes to the like i set something to uh, i set a reminder to do something today at 1 p.m i will definitely get the notification on both the mac phone and watch if i want that uh and i can easily like either snooze them there or complete them directly the only thing is that once you have i think once the notification has been displayed and i might be wrong it just appears like if you didn't action it, it would just end up in your today to-do list. It's not going to have a specific time attached to it. So I guess that's the problem. Like, I think if you use the reminders app, you will always have a time attached to it on when you were supposed to do it instead of just having it roll over to the today list. So that could be a limitation potentially, but you do get notifications and you do get the 
Like you can easily just set up a specific time when you schedule it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I might have to check it out. Why wouldn't you want to use something like Fantastical? Uh, it's a calendar app and it's super pricey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, um, I mean, Fantastical has a trial, I think a free trial. Mm-hmm. I wonder if things have a free trial. Maybe it's worth it. If you only want to try it out and not pay too much, uh, I think maybe it's worth it trying the iPhone out. Things is okay on iOS. I've just downloaded it. Um, it, on the Mac, it's like super expensive. So I don't think I would be downloading the Mac version until I'm at least comfortable with the iOS version and decided yeah, I want to stick yeah, with it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I'll give things a go. Um, I don't know. I just, I've always been okay with the Apple Calendar and Apple Reminders app uh, and even the Apple Notes app. But just more recently, particularly with Reminders, there have been some things uh, where if I update the time on one reminder, it will not change the time on that reminder, but change the time on two other reminders. And it's just... The, the app has one job and it can't do that. Oh. So it's also a little bit worrying. If I set a reminder, I want yeah. it to go off reliably. Uh, whereas if I don't notice that something's changed, then, uh, you know, these, these things are firing at the wrong time and could potentially miss something. Yeah. And, and the UI was always a bit odd for what yeah. it is. Yeah. Like, I felt like reminder, I think reminders came out when Siri came out and it felt very much like an app that you should only use with voice. And I think trying to schedule something, it's not very easy to just enter it and also enter a time. It's like, it's basically just like you enter the text and then it becomes more of a to-do list task. But if you actually want to enter the time for it, you have to go into like this detail view. I can imagine this is something they're changing up potentially, considering that they have made uh, Apple has made uh, the calendar app a lot smarter, so they have more freeform text inputs where you can just write um, like doctor's appointment today at one, and that will automatically create an event at one o'clock. It would be cool if it could do that in reminders, but this is something that's another reason why I really like things because I feel like the way you enter it is a lot clearer, and you can be very specific but it doesn't take too long to do it yeah i definitely agree that reminders feels like an app built to be used with siri exclusively um it works really great if you if you want to be reminded of something at 5 p.m you can uh, tell siri you know remind me about xyz at, at 5 p.m and it will do it um but outside of that yeah you're right the ui is a little bit clunky and it can be quite difficult to go in and edit uh sort of the metadata on on a few of those reminder tasks. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll, I've downloaded things, so I'll, I'll be checking that out. Um, glad to hear you're both using it. and Let us know how you go. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to, have to report back. Might have some follow-up next week. We haven't done follow-up mm. in a while, so <laughs> could be interesting. The, the more we talk about now about tech stuff and Apple stuff before dub-dub, my, my expectations for... There's so many, th- like, so many things that feel like low-hanging fruit... Yeah, it's like they could easily just change this in reminders and make it smarter. But yeah, yeah. I I think or make potentially uh, make it easier to develop uh, reminders and integrate with the reminders app. Yeah. So my expectations for DubDub next year are quite high by now. But also realistically, we won't get all of the low hanging fruit that we talk about, no matter how easy it is or would be to change. We'll get a handful of things that improve are improved, but probably not everything so we have to be prepared for some some good news and some bad news i'm not prepared i'm only prepared for good news <laughs> well maybe maybe you should change your attitude <laughs> no it's fine I, like i agree with zach it's like you can't really do everything because i mean i assume they're working on some bigger features too not only the low-hanging fruit and in the end i think that will also be exciting mm. looking forward to that definitely 
to your dream version of Dub Dub where every <laughs> all of your problems are solved and everything is amazing. We rewrote is that, iOS. Is that what you're looking forward to? That's the one I'm looking forward to. Yep. Cool. All right. Do we want to move on to our nameless list thing? The stuff we like list thing. I think that's a name. All right. Uh, Zach, do you want to start? Uh, sure, I can start. So, this week my pick is... Well, okay. So, if you have uh, friends, acquaintances, people in your life who use Spotify, you might have noticed uh, over the last couple of weeks that they're posting their, like, year in review thing where it, you know, analyzes how many minutes of music they've listened to and what are their favorite artists and all those kind of things. And I've seen many, many tweets come and go of uh, people posting about their their uh, Spotify listening habits and data and things like that. And it's all quite interesting. It generates a fun little web page for every user and you can, you can send a link to friends and things like that. Uh, and us over in Apple Music Land might have been feeling a little bit left out. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no thing that Apple have that sort of will give you those kind of stats at least easily uh, in a nice format like Spotify does. But uh, there is a potential solution for that and a tool called Apple Music Analyzer. Um, it's built by a friend of the show, Pat Murray. Um, so, this tool that he's built is uh, its a website where you can upload your Apple Music listening data. So, recently, Apple expanded their privacy um the ability to download like all the information that you have that they have on you as a customer. Um, they've expanded that privacy page uh, to everyone outside of the EU as well. I think it was built uh, mainly for GDPR, but now you can export all the data that Apple have on you. So if you listen to Apple music or if you use Apple music, your listening habits are included in this data set. So if you download that uh, and navigate to a specific file in there, which uh, instructions are all on the Apple music analyzer website, and you upload that to this site that Pat's built, uh, it will analyze your music listening habits. So that was a long way to say that if you're feeling left out by uh, not being able to, you know, <laughs> share your your Spotify uh, year in review thing, you can use Pat's tool to work out what artists you listen to and how many minutes you spent listening to music and what time of day you listen to music and what day of the week and what genres and all these fancy stats that are actually quite cool and uh, a bit of fun to go through. Um, and it sort of focuses a lot on uh, how long you spent listening to music, how long you spent listening to particular artists. So it's quite interesting uh, if you like data and you like stats. It's also um, it's a, it's probably a good tool for you to check out. So that's uh, that's available at music.patmurray.co, I believe. Um, yeah, so check it out if you're interested in that. And uh, I believe all of this uh, this processing is happening locally. So uh, Pat isn't actually storing any of your any of the data you're uploading to his site. Uh, just just uh, if you're a bit privacy conscious, uh, it's probably worth pointing that out. Yeah, it sounds like it's designed to be not creepy. <laughs> yeah, which is good. Um, also, you said friend of the show. That always sounds weird to me. He's only friend of the show, not yeah. of us. He hates all of us, but friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. People people coined this, Th- coined that's this normal. term. Now now that's that's a thing we say. It's Yeah. It's, Nothing it's to it's see normal. here. Friend of us. Okay. Can say that. <laughs> Socast's friend. <laughs> friend of Socast. <laughs> since it's I, I don't think, think that makes it better. All right. No. So friend of the show. All let's, right. let's go with that. Um, Mon is still researching, so uh, I will go next. Cool. So I, I thought this week, because I've been using it a lot, um, is telephone. 
And that sounds like a weird pick. And it is... Uh... And it is a weird pick. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you had one of those for a while? Yeah, so... Um, I because I talk to a lot to people that are not in the country I live in. I sometimes and some of them do not always have perfect uh, reception or do not always use their iPhone for everything. I know it's shocking, but that happens. Uh, I sometimes you have, have family to, members and I friends know. that don't use iPhones. Gosh, it's yeah. I mean, it's also in Germany. Some some carriers actually do block voice over IP. Uh, calls including facetime so it's they they deliberately then slow down the connection and you can't hear anything anyway germany is a weird country they're they're fighting with australia for slow internet rollout um i don't i don't know who's winning at the moment but i think it's a close call um Anyway, so uh, I I I sign up for some like voice over IP service um to to in order to uh being able to call uh German cell phone numbers relatively inexpensively. But because those talks uh, those calls are sometimes longer and my <laughs> airports do run out of battery quite quickly, especially during phone calls, I still haven't replaced them. Um I I wanted to find something on on the Mac and there are surprisingly many really uh questionable or or junky looking voice over IP apps. Um so uh, I I found like a while ago already. I I think I've used it for a few years, but one of the uh, less junky ones is Telephone, and it's uh, in the Mac App Store. I believe it's free, or if not, it's very inexpensive, and it's as simple as a of a voice over IP client as you can imagine. It's basically just a a tiny window. Um, and you in the settings you configure the voice over IP information, and then you just have a, a a text box, and you put in the phone number or the name of the contact you want to call, and you hit return, and the call starts, and then it's just showing the call status as you're on the phone, and then you can hang up again, and it's super simple. Uh, re- uses almost no resources on the Mac. Uh, supports like most of the m- most common uh, voice over IP codecs, and kind of just works without going too crazy on on resources or installing weird current extensions it's just a native small voice of ip app that works really really well no i've seen you use this and it does seem like the quality is always or i overheard you using it and the, the quality seemed pretty good mm. and it's nice that you have it on your mac too especially uh, if you want to sit down and like look things up at your computer at the same time as you're talking to someone i think it makes sense mm. Mm. yeah it's 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 super simple but it does what it should and I, I kind of like those type of apps. All right, Marlin, how did your research go? Yeah, so the reason why I wanted to do some research is because I had this thing that I wanted to say that I like, uh, but I was a bit concerned because I knew it's a very niche product. But think, considering that I already spoke a lot about things, which is probably going to be very helpful and useful for all of our listeners, I thought maybe I can say something that's a bit niche that I just really like. I'm interested to hear how you're going to pronounce that. And this is, <laughs> I just looked at the name, I was like, it's obvious how to pronounce it. I was like, oh, wait a second, this might be difficult. Um, it's this thing called, okay, it's a coffee filter uh, for the AeroPress. I think we mentioned the AeroPress, which is basically a way for you to make uh, coffee at home. Um, it's it's good for, it's, it's like making like black coffee at home, obviously you can add milk afterwards, but I think it's really good to just drink it as it is. Uh, but the new filter that we got is called Acer. Asair, Asair, Asair. That sounds good. A E 
A-E-S-I-R. How would you pronounce that, Zach? A-E-S-I-R. Acer. No clue. <laughs> okay. A-E-S-I-R. Yeah. Acer? Acer? Acer. Mm, maybe. Acer. Acer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sir, I'm going to say. That works. Sir, yeah. And it's it's really cool. Um it's a filter. Um it's a it's a coffee filter that's uh specifically made for the AeroPress and it's um basically the guy who makes it is working here in a local coffee shop uh in Vancouver. Um and he has been competing in AeroPress competition. I think he's been winning I could be he's been in the run, like he has at least been getting first or second place. Um, I think he got first place one time and second place one other time in the um, Canadian uh, Brewer Cup, apparently, is the name of it. This is an AeroPress competition. Um, and he made his filter because he wanted to, um, he basically wanted to use a similar filter to what he used in a V60 uh, when you make V60 coffee. Uh, and that's a filter that's a bit thicker. So if anyone usually makes AeroPress coffee and add uh, multiple filters so many people actually stack them up and add like two or three filters in it this is sort of a replacement for that so it's a thicker filter that's supposed to um like give you a clearer cup so first of all um it's looking a lot nicer so it's a nicer presentation of the cup but it also tastes a lot better so i think that um like it actually takes away some bitterness uh of the coffee um and sort of I guess, brings out some more fruity flavors of your coffee. So if you're very into coffee and very specific about the taste palette you're looking for, you're going to be able to get a very consistent palette if you're using this. And I really like it. And it is actually available to order from, uh, not directly from their website, but from another third-party seller. Um, and you can order it to at least Canada and the US. So I think we'll put that link in the show note. And yeah, I just, I just really like it. I really love the idea when someone has, uh, is so passionate about making a product so that they, or make, making a good cof- cup of coffee so that they end up actually creating their own product for it. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I think, uh, he definitely has come up with a good product. Uh, so I wanted to just have a shout out to that. Yeah. I saw someone calling it the, um, uh, cheat code for the AeroPress. Um, because it is, I mean, we've used it for last, a week or so, and, and and it makes a significant improvement to to the quality of the coffee that comes out. It's really good. I like it a lot. We probably should have picked AeroPress before, but oh, we already spoke about the AeroPress. We did, yeah. And it was like yeah. in the first one of our first parts of the segment in mm. the first episodes. Maybe I should listen to to this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, seems to be good. I think. You recommend an AeroPress. I recommended a kettle in that episode. So now it's getting more and more complete by adding filters. Um, I know that this is a very niche product and I think many people probably don't care. But I think if you care about AeroPress, I think you're going to notice a difference uh, in in how your coffee tastes. So, yeah. And I thought the guy seems pretty nice and uh, it's just cool that he's passionate. So I want to shout out to that. Cool. Another Vancouver product. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting the hint? Slowly. <laughs> uh, we can also talk more about rain. That's another Vancouver product, apparently. Oh, really? <laughs> Covering the boundaries? <laughs> it's it been raining nonstop for like uh, a week or so. Oh, it Amazing. wasn't raining today. It was beautiful today. Okay. 
It hasn't rained, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's literally raining right now. But Yeah, but during the day it didn't rain, okay? <laughs> but it was snowing in the mountains, and that's beautiful, but we didn't notice it here because it's still quite warm down here. Yeah, it is actually really nice looking out of the window and seeing the, the snow-capped mountains um, and not having to go out into the rain. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. No, but it's it's good. Uh, I I kind of like. It's always fun if you when you're moving to a new place. It's always fun to see, like I mean, Australia and Canada are culturally not the complete opposites. Like there are a lot of things that seem not like too different, but they're always. Uh, I mean, there are different countries, right, and different cultures and different kind of approaches to things still. And I mean, I mean, we're, we're, the places we've lived in, they're all kind of Western countries, and in some to some extent. If you go to those places without doing any research, you'll still survive. It's not like you're going like to a completely different country all of a sudden. Um, but it's it's still it's still different enough that you have like more like local preferences. Like people really like to talk about public transport around here. Um, that hasn't been as much of a topic there, and people really like their coffee. And there are a lot of people that are really proud I of. Mean, people in Australia love their coffee. I don't think you should say. I'm not. About I'm that. not saying that, but it's like people here are like. There's a lot, lot of focus on like super hyper local products. Like there's a lot of people being really proud of Vancouver products. Yeah, like there's so many. Like there are actual. I see people here who have. Quite frequently, I see people who have T-shirts or sweaters or bags from their favorite local coffee shops, and I think this is pretty nice that you actually mm. see people being that inter- that excited about their like niche coffee shops that they actually end up buying merchandise. And all of those shops have merchandise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I I don't think any of the kind of fancier coffee places we've been to that wouldn't have like. Uh, uh, t-shirts or, or hoodies or yeah. i went to one coffee shop today and the barista actually had a t-shirt of the other coffee place that's like a direct competitor and i thought that's nice at least mm. they they support each other well, canadians are so nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's great yeah but it's definitely like a thing where where people really i i think people are really uh proud of the city to live in here i i feel like like there's so many people just wearing uh vancouver t-shirts or vancouver uh uh or canada hats and there's like so much of the uh, people being happy about the place they're living in and not in a like i don't know there are some tourist shops like in other countries where everything is super super odd and looks super cheap yeah like if you go to a tourist shop in australia you're definitely gonna find like a t-shirt with a kangaroo on or uh, like a like a hat that has a koala on but it's not like cliche like that it's actually and it's usually not something like in australia you wouldn't see a lot of locals actually wearing that that's usually tourist shops are for tourists no you know people aren't locals who are wearing that yeah (laughs) But but here it's like everyone is wearing it. They're like tourists like it, locals like it. Everyone is wearing like not everyone, but there's such a large percentage of people that actually wear things showing that they appreciate the city they live in. It's it's quite different, but I I understand why it's a nice place. And man, really, everyone likes to talk about public transport. 